join us if you dare. It's movie night at your drive-in of terror. Each week, you'll hear about one campy movie for a laugh. One terrifying feature sure to scare your pants off. And one kid-friendly scare for the little ones. Or not-so-little ones, needing a little less terror. The show's about to start. Get comfy and sit down in front. Oh, and one more thing. This episode contains spoilers. Consider yourself warm. Enjoy the show, if you're brave enough. Take it away, Shay. Hi guys, I'm Tom, here with my good friend Shay. And we'd like you to pull on into our Drive-In of Terror for Season 2, Episode Number 5 of the Scare Your Pants Off, It's Movie Night podcast. On tonight's episode of our Fright-Filled feature, we'll be discussing Poltergeist. So, grab your snacks and we'll kill the lights. So, how are you doing today, Shay? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really, really good. I, I'm so I'm super happy. We're already on episode five. It's going by really fast, just like season one did. Mm-hmm. And it's and I, oh, I love, I love every single movie that we're doing. But Poltergeist uh, today is can't wait. It's up there. It's one of my all all time favorites. Honestly, it's a class. I still can remember watching it as a kid. Probably a little too young to be watching a movie like that, but and just being creeped out, but loving it. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. So what's new? Anything? Uh, let's see. Nothing really. So I've been so I've been I've been writing a lot. I write and um. It, it stinks because sometimes I get into these patterns where I'll have so many ideas that it will keep me awake. Like, in, in, when, I keep, when I say keep me awake, I don't mean like it's just really hard to fall asleep. Meaning, I literally can't fall asleep till almost like 4, 4.30 in the morning, and then I'm, I'm up at 6. So it's, it's just my brain felt like it was going to explode, but I got a lot of the book out, and now, like, I'm actually sleeping again so it's been a weird week for me but uh yeah <laughs> that's what's new though no that's great i mean not great that you're, you're in insomnia trust me i know the struggle i have never slept well my my life and and i even get that like when you're in that mode of mm-hmm. you know, i know how i am which for me is problematic i get i get compulsive about things and like if i get into it it's I go until basically I collapse working on it, and then it's so uh, I totally get it. That's cool. So no, a new book, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so you got a campy movie for me. For those looking for a laugh, it's time for the campy. I do. I uh, so. I'll say it again. When we're making the lists for the movies that we were picking, I made my own separate lists in the order in which I wanted to pick them. Nice. And you and I are so similar that you jumped on my movies. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. It's okay. It's actually, it's a great consolation prize knowing that you're going to talk about them because I know you're going to do justice and I know, you know, you're going to hit on the points I was going to hit on, so it works out great. But I was fortunate enough to land Shaun of the Dead before you did. So, 
Shaun of the Dead is such a good one too. I love that one. It's so great. So Shaun of the Dead came out in September of 2004 and it's a British horror comedy. Now it's so funny. And if you haven't seen it, oh my gosh, turn this off, go watch it and then come back. Cause it is, <laughs> cause it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's centered around Sean played by Simon Pegg and Ed played by Nick Frost. This duo, let me tell you, watch every single thing that they're in. They are so funny. One of my other favorites is Paul with a extremely foul mouthed alien. And it's, you will die laughing the whole time. I had tears coming out of my eyes. I was I was laughing so hard. It was it's just such a great movie. But back to Shaun of the Dead. You've seen Shaun of the Dead, right, Tom? Oh, oh yeah, I've seen all their films. It's funny you said Paul. I love Paul. And surprisingly, my father is obsessed with that Paul movie. He thing I, for him that is just like one of the funniest. I remember when it came, it was just him. You see that Paul movie yet? You see that Paul? It's so funny. I don't know why for him, but he loves it. So that's yeah, right. that's good. It's 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 good to laugh. So that's that's awesome. That's so I love that your dad loves it. Um, <laughs> so Sean is your stereotypical slow to commit, dirty something in a dead end job. Um, his girlfriend, Liz, gets sick and tired of waiting for him to propose or try to move in or anything after years of being with him. He's really just dragging his feet and she's just done. So she breaks up with him politely, believe it or not, like very politely, actually. So, but she does break up with him. So now Sean lives with a man named Pete, who is his roommate, and his best friend Ed actually sleeps on their couch and Pete hates it. But it's okay, you won't like Pete and you won't have to deal with Pete for very long. So that's fine. Um, so like I said, Ed sleeps on their couch and he's a horrible influence. You will be so happy that he is a horrible influence because he's awesome at it. Um, so he has a knack for persuasion. He gets Sean to do all of the things that Sean doesn't really want to do, like cancel on the girlfriend and go and hang out with the bar or just really join in and tag in on their dates and really be the third wheel, the best third wheel you could be. He's he's phenomenal at it. But he also has a knack for relentlessly flirting with Sean's mom. And if he's not flirting with her, he's talking wildly dirty about her. And it is, <laughs> it's, it's off-putting hysterically. It's amazing. Um, amidst their breakup, the apocalypse began. So Sean takes this opportunity to show Liz his new how to take charge attitude. And he gathers her, her roommates. Obviously, Sean grabs his mom and his stepdad too. And of course, Ed is in tow. And they go and they hold up in their favorite bar, the Winchester, to fend off the pending apocalypse. Now, along the way, you'll experience some very well choreographed fight scenes to Queen music. Don't stop me now. Best zombie fighting music ever. And it's and so well choreographed. So good. <laughs> Um, now, like most apocalypse movies, you're going to lose characters you love. You're going to lose characters you hate, but you're going to lose characters you love. But what's wonderful about Shaun of the Dead is they actually get to keep them as pets. So it works out. So it's definitely a must watch. And all I can say is, da -da 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 -da. <laughs> if you know, you know. And if you don't, watch and find out. Such a good film. So it really good. is. And um, what I love about 
both these guys is that they're they're nerds. They're they're nerds for the paranormal. They had it actually. They Nick Frost had a show like Sitcomy called Truth Seekers, where he was a paranormal investigator. um, which I watch, but they're nerds for that, comic book nerds and everything. So there's a lot of great, in all their films, and this one, you know, a lot of great Easter eggs and a lot of great homages to other horror classics and homages to Romero, zombies and stuff like that. If if that's like, you're into that, I'm so bad at picking out Easter eggs and like, I I might catch like homage here or there, but um, I'm not great, but if you are one of those people that's like into that, you're going to love this film because they're all over the place down to the stuff that's just in the background that you wouldn't even think about, like posters and magazines and stuff. There's just a lot of of great little Easter eggs in there. One of my favorite Easter eggs, it's not really, if you know, you know, obviously, but one of my favorite Easter eggs in the movie, I guess we're going to call it is, um, you can call it, is um, when, when they decide that when Sean decides he's got to go get his mom, he's got to go save her, and whatever, you hear uh, Ed in the background saying, we're coming to get you, Barbara. And that is, and it's such a, it's so awesome because it's uh, obviously uh, Night of the Living Dead, we're coming to get you, Barbara. And it's, oh my God, I love that he said it. And he kind of like gave that little bit of a look at the screen. And you're like, yes, thank you. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just great. It is. It's so good. For those brave souls who are ready for a fright. It's time for the feature. All right. So, well, I have the feature film this week. And as I mentioned earlier, we are discussing Poltergeist. I love this film, guys. I, I still rem- I can still remember watching this as a kid, being freaked out. It's such a good film. It's it's a classic. It holds up. It's, um yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. So let's just get into it. Poltergeist is a 1982 American supernatural, supernatural horror film directed by the man, my man, Toby Hooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Funhouse fame. The film was written by Steven Spielberg, Michael Grays, and Mark Victor. And it was based on the story Night Skies by, by Spielberg. It stars Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, Heather O'Rourke, Beatrice Strait, and Zelda, Zelda Rubenstein. Spielberg was contractually unable to direct this film because he at the time he was working on et and his et contract said that he could not direct anything else until it was completely finished through post edits everything like that and was ready ready to be released so he approached toby hooper because of texas chainsaw massacre like i said he was also famous or had done the fun house but it was more off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he saw that, and uh, Spielberg loved it, so he tapped, that was his first choice, would be Toby Hooper to direct, and he'll sort of, he'll collaborate, and it's been sort of disputed how much collaboration, where some people even said that Spielberg should be considered a co-director, where others said, no, he was more hands-off, and he should just be a producer, executive producer, something like that. The truth's probably somewhere in the middle. Yep. Uh, I I don't really know. So, again, Spielberg con- uh, conceived Poltergeist 
as, and I found this very, very interesting, and I hadn't known it, as a horror sequel to his 1977 film, Close Encounters of the Third Time. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. I go, okay. So what? I never knew that. That's crazy. Right. So they obviously they transformed it into something a little bit different, but it's like you can really kind of pick out. Yeah, you can almost kind of see. Yeah, that's crazy. Sorry, I didn't mean to like. I, no, no, I'm glad. I, I wanted to see your reaction to it because it's. Uh, I was my mind was blown, and it. But if you start to think about it and, and maybe just change some things in your head a little bit, like some some plot points or some th- happenings, it it's re- you can or. I, I was like, okay, I that makes sense. I never, I never knew it. So the reason it, it Hooper, when he tapped Hooper to do it, Hooper was less interested in the sci-fi stuff. Hooper was more of a fan of horror and suggested that they collaborate on a ghost story. So that's where those uh, changes came in. But I, I just found that so fascinating that yeah, it was originally a sequel to it and it like i mentioned it earlier uh titled night skies so you kind of you know, see the theme there from the original title to close encounters which if you guys if you haven't seen close encounters it's a classic you got you've got to go see that film but yeah i found that very interesting that's really i can't i can't believe i never knew that that's that's such a cool little that's such a cool little fact that's crazy yeah uh, yeah yeah so all right let's get into the plot of this film a little bit so we're introduced to steven and diane freeling who are living in cuesta verde a california planned community steven is a successful real estate developer and diane is you know takes care of their three children their 16 year old daughter dana their eight-year-old son robbie and then their five-year-old daughter carol ann played by the uber talented Heather O'Rourke. Late one night, we see Carol Ann inexplicably conversing with the family's television set while it displays uh, that static, that snow that you see. You don't see it as much now, but when we were kids, you used to see snow on uh, at certain times, like when the they weren't doing any more programming. It might the channel might go to snow because it was done for the night until the morning or uh, stuff like that. So. And then we see her the next night doing essentially the same thing. She seems to be fixated and conversing with the television. And we see this ghostly white hand emerge from the screen, which you know, this, this is 1982, guys, and really good effect. Really, really good effect. It's... Uh, it really creeped me out as a kid because I, I, I still remember I, I have very bad eyes and when I was a kid I would sit fairly close to the TV you know I would have to I'd sit on the floor in my parents living room and uh, I could always envision it because I was close enough where that hand could have grabbed me and pulled me into the TV yep so I think I think for a few years after this film, I might have moved a few feet back from where I was sitting, just <laughs> being creeped out. So Zara events occur the following day, but they at first they seem sort of almost benign or just like kind of just not not a big deal. Like we, we see uh, 
glass of milk break, silverware band, furniture move, you know, sort of your typical poltergeisty happenings. But then during a severe thunderstorm, we see the uh, this gnarl, gnarly sort of all crazy looking backyard tree seemingly come alive. A large limb crashes through the children's bedroom window and grabs Robbie. While the family rushes outside to rescue him, this is when Carol Ann gets sucked into the portal that is inside the closet. So obviously the family, the family now is frantically searching for her. Where's Carol? Where Carol Ann? Carol Ann, where is she? And then they hear this sort of disembodied, but definitely Carol Ann's voice call out from the TV. So, and it's creepy. This, you know, little girl disembodied voice coming out of the TV done very, very well. So obviously they're freaked out and they got to do something about it. So they start, you know, trying to get people in there and they get uh, a parapsychologist, a Dr. Lash, who um, agrees to come and investigate and he brings two team members. They determine that there is definitely a poltergeist intrusion in the house and it's probably uh, multiple ghosts. Meanwhile, Stephen learns from his boss that the Quaestor Verde development was built on a former cemetery and the graves were moved to a nearby location. And if you guys are familiar with our other, uh, the, the first season of the Scare Your Pants Off, where we discuss paranormal stuff, uh, graveyards are usually a hot spot for paranormal activity. So it would sort of make sense then if it's built on a graveyard that might there might be some bad juju or bad energy there. So at this time, Dana and Robbie are sent away for safety. While Dr. Lesh calls in, oh God, the iconic Zelda Rubenstein playing Tangina Barron's A Spiritual Medium. And she is so great. She is. I, I love her. And uh, that's everything about her. So short, just her look, everything. It's iconic. And I will tell you, I still remember having nightmares as a kid and her being in there and not saying that she was the one scaring it she might have been helping me in that nightmare or whatever but just iconic performance and so good and just fit this movie so well and brought up that that creep factor on it and uh yeah i can't say enough good things about zelda rubenstein oh, she's 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 so iconic and her voice is just it it just lives with you just every everything that comes out of her mouth just seems so mm. it's just such an impact it's so great yes i 100 percent agree so tangina determines the spirits are lingering in a different sphere of consciousness and are not at rest and also that they are attracted to carol ann's life force tangina also detects a dark presence she calls be the beast or beast who is restraining carol ann and manipulating her life force in order to pre prevent 
the other spirits from crossing over. They also find out that the other dimension, uh, the entrance to the other dimension is in the children's bedroom closet and the exits through the living room ceiling. So Diane, secured by a rope, passes through the portal, guided by another rope that was previously passed through, threaded through uh, both portals. Diane retrieves Carol Ann and they drop through the ceiling into the living room floor covered in ectoplasm. Uh, if you haven't seen this, but if you've seen Ghostbusters and when they when he gets slimed by Slimer, yeah. very similar consistency, stuff like that, it looks like. So, and then as they're recovering from this crazy ordeal and coming through the portals and we get the iconic line from Tangina, where she proclaims, this house is clean. And just iconic line, guys. It's so good. So shortly after, the Freeling family has nearly finished packing to move out of the house. Uh, before the family is set to leave for the Holiday Inn, Stephen goes to his office while Dana is on a date, leaving Diane at home with Robbie and Carol Ann. At this point, the Beast and bushes Diane and the children, aiming for a second kidnapping attempt. The, this uh, unseen force drives Diane to the backyard in the pouring rain, dragging her into the flooded swimming pool excavation. So in it, guys, they, they're putting a pool in the backyard, but it's not completed. So it's just a hole with dirt, and it's just a, it just adds to it that uh, she gets pulled into this hole that's muddy and, and you know, it's deep and because it's going to be an in-ground pool. And uh, as she's in there, skeleton, uh, skeletons and corpses and coffins start to float up, float up around her in the hole. And fun little fact on that, it's, it hasn't been 100% confirmed, but actors have said it and most people believe they're actually real skeletons that they use in in it and that wasn't that uncommon it was actually easier and cheaper to get real skeletons uh back in the day and um the actress that played diane has said that spielberg did it to save money which was like i said was a common thing in, back in the day to use actual skeletons she was not too happy about it which i totally get because that's pretty gross to be basically swimming around with real skeletons. I'm, I'm sure they were cleaned or whatever, but yeah. still kind of gross. So Diane crawls out, Diane crawls out, rushes back into the house uh, and rescues the children at, um, as they escape outside. And we see more coffins and bodies erupting from the ground. Meanwhile, Stephen, accompanied by his boss, Mr. Teague, arrive home to the mayhem and realize that the graves weren't relocated, just the gravestones were. The, the company was being cheap, trying to save some money and only moved the, the, uh, the gravestones and not the actual corpses and graves and coffins and everything like that. So now we're seeing that's we know and again, if you watch our first season, and if you haven't, you really should, you'll see that's, you know, bad energy there. Yep. So obviously creeped out. The Freelings jump into their car, collect Dana as she is just returning home, and 
take off. As they're taking off, the house implodes, which is quite the scene. Very cool effect. The house implodes into the portal. And we see neighbors looking on as this is happening. And um, the family finally checks into their room at the Holiday Inn. And uh, as they walk in, Stephen promptly rips out the TV and shoves it outside. So that's essentially the story, guys. I, um, it's a great film. Definitely check it out. Uh, I just wanted to talk real quickly about some of the lore that has come from set. It, it, this is consider people say that this was a a haunted production, and there's there's a couple reasons, uh, a few reasons why. One being the that people saying the, using the actual skeletons may have you know brought on some some bad energy but there was actually four deaths that happened during or near or right after the the production of this film so we the first one i want to talk about is heather o'rourke who played carol ann great little actress and this is sad so i mean they're all sad because these people died this is a sad story. Uh, she was only six when the first Poltergeist film was released. But in 1987, so five years after the first one, and they were doing, they were filming the third one, Carol Ann was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease. The following year, she fell ill, and they attributed it to a case of the flu. But unfortunately, a day later, she collapsed and suffered a heart attack. After being airlifted to a children's hospital in San Diego, O'Rourke died during an operation to, to correct a bottle obstruction. And later, it's pretty much now it's believed that she had been suffering for quite a while with a congenital intestinal abnormality. And this is sad because it was just misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis on this little girl. It probably could have been prevented if she had gotten the correct diagnosis on, on the first or even the second time she went in or even the third time. But they had, like, Crohn's disease is a big deal, but it's treatable. And that was the uh, initial diagnosis. And so, and then, then just uh, when she's not feeling good, they just attribute it to a flu. And... Unfortunately, we lost a little girl because of it, and a, a very talented little actor. Hollywood is 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 definitely missed out because that that little girl is a was a force to be reckoned with. Man, where she was perfect, she was creepy mm -hmm. and just uh, and oh my god, and she was beautiful. She was absolutely adorable, and yeah. and just oh, it's it's such a shame, and it's you know, uh, it's just awful. Yeah, kids die. Ugh, yeah. So the second death was Dominique Dunn, who played the older sister, Dana. And this is another, I mean, like, again, they're all sad. This is, but this is sad. In 1982, Dunn separated from her partner, John Cheney. In November of that year, he showed up at Dunn's house pleading for her to take him back but she refused. So Sweeney grabbed her by the neck and, told, and choked her until she was unconscious and left her to die in her Hollywood home's driveway. 
And this, if this wasn't already bad that he killed her, Sweeney was only sentenced to six and a half years in prison and for murder. And he only actually served three years and seven months. I don't even know how that's that's that's, uh, that's not even close to equivalent. That's no, even no. if it's even okay. So, so say it's not first degree because he went over there pleading, thinking maybe she would take him back. So, but at the very least, it's second degree murder because now he's yep. there, he lost control, and somebody's only going to get second degree murder. Uh, well, I mean, six years for murder on top of it, choking someone. Mm. to death is not fast you even if even if for and it's not okay even if you started that you have you have your faculties about you if you continue long enough to let it complete because that is not a quick thing that is not a snap and it's over that's a you're gonna hold it and watch the life force drain out of them and at that point you know what you're doing it's it's no longer oh crap it was an accident it's you you held on and you watched it happen you're disgusting yes i 100 percent agree it's and it's so per it's such a personal way to kill somebody too like where it's you know it's not detached like a gun or something like that it's yeah that's great i'm glad you you said that because that's a great point you at some point (laughs) you would release if you if it, if it was just a reaction a, like an impulse a reaction you would let go because it does take a long time to choke somebody to death. Oh, so sad. And to only serve three years and seven months. It's crazy to me. No, nope. crazy. So the other two deaths associated with it uh, were a little more weren't as unexpected or unpredictable. The first I'll talk about is uh, Julian Beck, who played the evil preacher Kane in Poltergeist 2. In 1983, Beck had been diagnosed with stomach cancer, which would take his life soon after he finished work on the the second film. Um, It's been said with this, that he maybe didn't kind of disclose how serious or disclose at all how uh, how sick he was and uh so people might not have known and that's why uh people have attributed to the curse of this as well but some people uh, they think that at least the producers and director knew of his sickness i don't know the truth it's probably somewhere in the middle uh, yeah. but yeah sad and then the the final death I'll talk about is Will Sampson, who played Taylor, the Native American shaman, and he died after undergoing a heart-lung transplant, which has a very slim survival rate. Um, it's just think about it. You are, you're getting a heart and lung transplant at the same time. So <laughs> this was not unpredictable, but makes it no less sad that he, he died. And uh, yeah, so those are the deaths that I've sort of, you know, been talked about and discussed and people the reason why, uh, the main reason why people say that this, this production, this, uh, this series of films is cursed. Like I said, I also mentioned that the, uh, the skeletons, uh, people attribute that to, uh, to the curse as well, using real skeletons. 
But I primarily focused on the first one, guys, because that's my favorite for it. I think it's classic, although all are all are very good. Um, you know, there's it, it's a trilogy. You know, there's one, two, and three. And then they had, and I don't know how, I, I, I don't know if this would be us, if this is a remake, a reboot, a requel, a sequel. But in 2015, there's a movie came out, and it's good. Um, and not as good as the originals in my opinion but it's good and yeah so that's all i have for that what would you call the 2015 you know what i you in thinking about it, I, I i was kind of in the same spot as you and i'm like i don't really know like it's i like requel though i think i like requel because it's really not a reboot they 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 do talk about the original family and kind of hint at what happened and uh, obviously, the names are different. And can I just say again, the little girl playing, what is with these kids? They're so freaking talented. I don't understand it. But um, I, I like Requel because it because it's not really a reboot, but it's but it is. But it's yeah. I don't know. It's I like Requel. I'm gonna go with Requel. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. You know, it's so tough now with these, you know, remake re whatever they are because uh, they they all follow different rules of what they do. Some are completely all new stories and they disregard rules that are established in earlier films where others are more like sequels. It's, I don't even know anymore. It's so tough. The 2015 one had the benefit of modern day technology and, and yes. obviously, and it shows, it really does show, but I, I, there's something to be said and you, you kind of touched on it a little bit though. There's something to be said for that old school ingenuity and and just work you work with what you have and you make it happen and it's the stuff they did in the 1982 was was otherworldly and you see it in in a bunch of other horror movies too like really thinking so far out of the box and um go back to even like um alfred hitchcock when he filmed psycho he there's a scene where they're coming down the stairs and it it's he was so disappointed in every angle that they got that it was reshoot, 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 reshoot. He perched himself up on the banister and like and like bent himself in a weird way with the camera. And back then those cameras are like, yeah. I don't even know, to get the perfect angle. So it's I love that thing outside of the box. I love the old school ingenuity and poltergeist is absolutely right up there with it. Cause I watched that movie no matter how many times and i still can't figure out how they did it and it's amazing that's a great point um so out of i guess i'll say out of the four of them what's what do you think is the best first i agree i agree i i i think i would go honestly i think i would go one two three four yeah, <laughs> like like maybe three and two could be switched. Uh, you know, I could go one, three, two, four. But... Yeah, that's I'm I'm kind of stuck in the same place you are. It's it's two and three that I'm like, mm, I might I might flop them, but I'm gonna say they're tied for a second, and then the new one. So I'm gonna go one, two, and three tied for a second, and then four. Yeah, and I mean they're all pretty good. They're all, I mean, the first is great, and they're all good guys. So I, I'm, we're just saying, in comparison to each other, you should definitely, definitely check this uh, 
this film out uh or the series out because it is it's just a classic like Shay said earlier just completely holds up to this day um before we get into the rating of it is there anything else you want to discuss about this film or let the the viewers know about this film or series of films so i don't think so i think i mean i think you really summed everything up just just if you haven't if by some chance you haven't watched it or you haven't watched all of them just go do it do yourself the favor and and dive on in and and just spend a day and just watch it they're so great i agree all right so you know we're gonna get into the rating and i struggled with trying to think of something to uh what we would do for the rating but it was do out of 10 zelda rubensteins or 10 tangina barons i She's love it so iconic I, I love her so much so out of, out of 10 what would you give it you know this is my least i think this might be my least favorite part of the show because i don't know it's but i love it all right um first movie 1982 poltergeist i'm gonna give it a solid eight zelda rubensteins out of ten because it, it is it stands tall today and I, I just love it i we're on the same wavelength i was going right in at eight, eight right there it's i mean and if somebody if somebody had said nine i wouldn't argue on you know like no. I, I just we're early on in where this is only our fifth episode in uh so we're early on in our ratings too so it's like i'm trying to get like a, a sort of consistent scale going with all these but yeah. uh yeah i wouldn't be mad if somebody had said oh nine or nine five either it's uh, but for me yeah that it, it's it, it's a good a good solid eight um just just classic and just check it out guys so good love it so good Little ones, it's time for the kids' scare. All right, so I get to talk about the kids' movie today, and it's one of my favorites. I'm gonna just so y'all know, I'm gonna say that about everyone because I love we didn't pick these movies because we hate them, we love all of these movies. So, every movie that we're gonna talk about is one of my favorites, and I'm sure you're the same, Tom. So, if you can't get your little goblins to bed quite yet, but you want to put something a little spooky on, maybe you're feeling festive or you just don't want to watch kitty cartoons. Row on Hocus Pocus from 1993. It stars Bette Midler, Kathy Jimmy, and Sarah Jessica Parker as Winifred, Mary, and Sarah Sanderson. And they are amazing. Now, the Denisons are new to Salem. Just moved in. The kids are the new kids in school. You have Max and you have Danny. And Max is the older brother. And he's trying to be the cool kid. and he gets the nickname Hollywood from a couple of the bullies, and he really just goes out of his way to be a little bit of a badass. He kind of fails at it, but he goes out of his way to be a little bit of a badass, especially when it comes to trying to impress one of his classmates, Allison. So fun fact about that is there's a scene in the class at the end of it that he decides he wants to give Allison his phone number like it's the best thing that's ever happened to her. He writes it down and he hands it to her and then they show it on screen. They have actually since had to remove that from the movie because that phone number now belongs to somebody. So if you have the DVD, that phone number now belongs to someone. So don't don't call it. 
or call it or don't really call it i, I don't recommend it that that's that's I mean, pretty funny you're adults do what you want okay. <laughs> um but anyways max is forced to take his younger sister danny trick-or-treating and she's a witch because she just learned about the sanderson sisters while trick-or-treating, obviously they run into the bullies and candy gets taken. A lot of the kind of run-of-the-mill Halloween bully type stuff. And then they happen upon Allison's house. And it's huge. And it's the doors open and the trick-or-treat candy's inside. And there's a whole smorgasbord of stuff they can choose from. And then enter Allison. Now she introduces herself and Danny recognizes the name from um max's daydreams about allison and she says oh allison and then he and then she informs her that her big brother really really likes her especially her yabos so that scene <laughs> still cracks me up to this day because it is definitely a little sister thing and it's and it's so funny danny lets allison know that she's learning about the sanderson sisters in school and Allison tells her that she actually has access to the Sanderson sister house because it was converted into a museum and her mom actually ran it. Granted, it is closed, but she still has access to it. And they really, really want to go. So Danny, however, does not. Danny's a little, little scared, a little intimidated by the idea and Max pleads with her and begs her and she makes him promise to be the tight wearing peter pan to her wendy next halloween he agrees and it seals the deal and off they go max, max then makes a big mistake when at the house he lights the black flame candle being a virgin very bad idea this woke the sanderson sisters but for one night only when they return they strive to suck the youth out of any child they get their hands on. So they, they try to lure all the children of Salem back to their house so they can have them drink a potion and suck all the youth out so they can live forever. However, thanks to Max, Allison, Danny, an immortal boy turned cat named Binks, and a long dead ex-boyfriend of Winifred, they fail. It's a Halloween tradition. It's a must watch, but not just for Halloween. It's a must watch all the time. It's a great movie. So, and it's also filmed largely in Salem, Massachusetts. So it's pretty great. And I also believe that they're coming out with part two this year. So what better time to catch up? Nice. Yeah, good. It's a great film and fun, fun little fact. Parts of the new one coming out was filmed less than five minutes from my house. Actually, there's like a farm over uh, farmland area. They do this big area where I think it might be a park too. Uh, I think they've done a Renaissance fair there and they've done food trucks, fairs there. And they actually built like a mini town and on this property and were filming. I don't know what part, it was hard to get close to it while they were filming, obviously, you know, but uh, yeah, and, uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like less than five minutes a five minute car ride from my house they're uh they're filming it they were filming it so very cool yeah it's a great film guys a classic a good one for the kids definitely definitely uh 
check that out. So, well, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss today? No, I think I'm tapped out. All right. Well, great episode, and thanks for joining us, guys. And make sure to meet us at the snack bar next week when Silent Hill will be on the big screen. Until then, sweet dreams, guys. Bye. As always, thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to your hosts by email at scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook. Be sure to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications wherever you get your podcasts. If we haven't scared you away yet, you're our kind of people. So check under your bed and keep your feet under the covers and those closet doors shut. <laughs> Until next week, my friends.